If you would, please open your Bibles with me once again to the book of the Psalms. This morning we're looking at Psalm 61. And look there with me beginning in verse 7. This verse speaks of the gospel of our salvation gospel of how it is, beloved, we're preserved by His mercy and truth. Verse 7, and, and this is speaking about our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve Him. Beloved, we're preserved by mercy and truth. You see, it's by His mercy and truth that we've been preserved, (coughs) saved, purged, and justified in the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in the book of Wisdom, there in the 16th proverb, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Notice the psalmist writing there in verse 2. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I was thinking of how our Lord is set forth as the captain of our salvation. That he is the author and finisher, the very champion of our faith and salvation. You see, he is the rock that is higher than I. Higher than every foe higher than every fear, higher than everything that is false. And, beloved, He leads us to Himself. He draws us to Himself. How we ought to ever cry with our brother, O God, attend unto my prayer. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Beloved, the Lord never leads us astray. Never. And though we are all by nature like sheep, Gone astray, nevertheless, when it pleases the Lord, He leads us to Himself, and we cry out, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. My friend, make that your cry. O God, lead me to the rock. Now, not just any rock, but rather the rock, for there's just one rock of salvation, the high rock the high ground of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Our Lord said, I'll build my church upon this rock, this confession. Salvation is of the Christ, the Son of the living God, our Lord. I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. For the Lord Jesus Christ, he indeed is the most high God to whom we are led by the Holy Spirit and through whom we shall ever prevail. You see, my friend, the Holy Spirit leads us not to emotion, not to tradition, not to ceremony, not to a time and place. Rather, God, the Holy Spirit, leads us to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You see, salvation is not when, what, or even where, but ever so blessedly whom. (laughs) I love where our brother writes, For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. 
Our Lord said, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll take the things of mine, his righteousness, his redeeming sacrifice, his truth, his word. He'll take the things of mine and show them unto you. You see, my friend, it takes God to reveal God. It takes God, the Holy Spirit, to reveal God's only begotten Son, the God-man mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this psalm is a short one, but it's sweet just the same. We see here in eight short verses the blessed gospel promise of salvation in Christ. Now, most think this psalm was given to David when he was exiled from Jerusalem and forced to flee for his life when his own son Absalom led a rebellion against him. Just think of it. His own flesh and blood, his very own son Absalom, rebelled against him. You know, it it broke his heart. Think of it. Having your own son turn on you, and not only to kick you out of the house, but force you to leave Dodge, to leave town, to push you off the throne and lead a rebellion against you. David's heart was broken. For he loved Absalom, and when he died, David wept for him, crying, O my son Absalom, my son Absalom, would to God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. And in the sorrow of his heart, and in his grief, David was so overwhelmed, and it led him to cry unto God for deliverance. And that's what David does here in verse 1. Hear my cry, O God. My heart is broken. Attend unto my prayer. You know, trouble from the hand of the Lord. Now, now hear me. Trouble, trials, terrors from the hand of the Lord, those are blessed things. How is that? How can trouble, trials, and terrors be a blessing? Because, beloved, we are his sheep. Because we are his sheep, he sends those things our way to drive us to the shepherd. Those things drive us to the Lord Jesus Christ for relief, for, for, for comfort, for help, for assurance, for salvation. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, And thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. O Father in heaven, send trouble. And when you do send trouble, in wrath remember mercy, that it might drive me to your well-pleasing Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, send trouble that enabled of your grace, I might just faint into the arms of my blessed Shepherd and Lord, your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. When a baby is held in the arms of his father, you know what makes that baby so safe and so secure? Well, it's not the baby's feeble grip on dad. No, no. It's dad's sure grip on his child. And so, child of God, when you do cling to him, your security, your safety isn't found in your grip on him. Rather, it's the grip he's got on you. So put your burden down, beloved. Just put it down. He's got you. He's got you in his hand, in his mighty hand. Remember what he said? 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why is his yoke easy and his burden light? Why is that? Because, beloved, in Christ, he's doing all the lifting. He's doing all the carrying. Indeed, he's doing all the saving. As we read in his word, he is able to save to the uttermost all them that come to God through him. It's not almost salvation. (laughs) It's uttermost. Utterly saved through the doing and dying of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. And so, beloved, while it is true, his people don't let go. It's only because he's the one who's got a hold of us. And he sends us those troubles that drive us to ever more securely, ever more blessedly rest in the mighty hand of the Lord. You see, the Lord will never drive away a believer. The Lord doesn't drive his people away. Rather, oftentimes when maybe we've been wandering here and wandering there, the Lord, by his gracious love, brings chastisement. And we read that other word, scourging. And he does it in love, beloved. Remember, who the Father loveth, he chasteneth. And so he sends trouble that we might run unto him for grace to help in time of need. Now, some have called this psalm the prayer of an exiled king on his way back to the throne. David was exiled, but David didn't stay that way. God heard his cry, and God delivered him. Again, verse 1. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. Now, this is closet prayer. David does not pray, hear my cry, O people. You know, he's not sharing requests with a bunch of people. He doesn't say, oh, hear my cry, O friend. Rather, he prays, hear my cry, O God. Would you hear my cry? O God, hear my cry and attend to it. You know, David was a man of prayer. And we've seen throughout our study in the book of Psalms, David was a man of prayer. But you know, every believer is a man of prayer. Let's just turn to a few portions that speak to this. Uh, Psalm 54, verse 2. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. And then just below that, Psalm 55, verse 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Verse 2 of Psalm 57. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth, not some things, (laughs) all things for me. That's why we rest, beloved. (laughs) He performeth not some things for us, all things for us. Not only has he redeemed us, he's not only justified us, but, beloved, he sanctified us through his doing and dying. And so, beloved, I'm going to cry unto God, who is God, the one who has all power and all authority. He's no dumb idol. He's no dead rock or stone. Rather, he's the most high God. He's the true and living God. And so I'm going to call upon him 
What about you? I pray that all of you do indeed call upon him. And why is that? Why is it that I would exhort you to call upon him? Very simply this. Because God's word declares, For whosoever, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. By God's grace, I'm a whosoever. (laughs) What about you? Are you a whosoever? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My friend, I'm calling upon him who delights to show mercy. You see, our gracious Lord is not hardened against the cries of his children. You know, it's not wearisome for him to hear us cry out unto him. Our prayers are never spent in vain, beloved, when we cry unto him for grace to help in time of need. And, you know, he encourages us us to do that very thing. His word exhorts us to do that very thing. In Philippians chapter 4, his word declares through the pen of the, the apostle, Beloved, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Beloved, do you have any requests? Well, then make your requests known unto him. In effect, he tells us, pour out your heart unto him. Now, sadly, in many religious circles in our day, they'll ask, does anybody have a request? And then they'll spend and take up their time sharing requests with with each other, rather than making their requests be made known unto God, unto him. And so, beloved, make your requests known unto him. That's what he tells us through his word. And seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I mean, where else can a believer go but to the Lord to find relief, to find comfort and assurance under the rock that is higher than I? Who else can a sin, to whom else can a sinner cry for help but unto the Lord who is able to save to the uttermost? My friend, he is able to save. You see, our God is not weak and impotent. Is he? Not if he's the one set forth in the word of God, the one who has all power in heaven and in earth. I just learned of another church down the street that preaches a God who wants to, but can't. And I really shouldn't use that word church. It's just a building. (laughs) It's not a church. Just a, a group of pretenders. And they preach this false God who wants to save, but can't unless you let him. They preach that false small g God that's tried to and failed. My friend, that's not the God we're talking about. They've got another God that's no God at all. And they've got another gospel that's no gospel at all. You see, the God of the Bible is not this weak, impotent, frail failure that you hear about in false religion. No, no. Rather, he's God Almighty. He's the sovereign, eternal, everlasting God who is able to save to the uttermost. You see, he's able to keep us once he saves us. 
the word of God says he's able to keep us from falling. And not only that, but beloved, to present us faultless before the presence of his glory. And he does it with exceeding joy. And so I'm going to call upon him who shall not fail. How about you? Who are you calling upon? I'm crying to the Lord who shall save and help his people. And Paul gives instructions to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, in everything give thanks, pray without ceasing. And prayer is the cry of the heart unto God. I mean, you don't have to audibly pray, beloved, for the Lord knows the very thoughts of your heart. Indeed, he knows what you need before you ask him. And so pray without ceasing. And Paul adds, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Oh, that God would enable us to do that all the more. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Help us, though we sing sweet hour of prayer, though we, sw- though we sing that. I find my mind so prone to wander, so frail, so fickle, that if I can get just but a few moments of prayer under the Lord, I mean real prayer, Lord, let me, enable me, cause me to approach unto you, to spend time in conscious communion with you. That's a blessed time. And so I'm going to call upon the Lord. I'm going to call upon him who is indeed Lord and God. He said, I'm the Lord. Beside me, there is no other. Now, you can have this God who tries, but I can't. As for myself, I don't want anything to do with that small G God. That God couldn't save a flea, much less save a sinner like you or me. You see, if I'm going to be saved, If I'm going to be saved, if you're going to be saved, it must be the God who's mighty to save. The everlasting God who speaks and it's done. Who commands and it stands fast. You see, the only place a sinner will truly worship is at the throne of the sovereign God. Everything else is just hypocrisy and pretentious show. Lord, deliver us from playing church. Deliver me Deliver every one of us in this auditorium from playing church. Notice verse 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lord, lead me to the rock. Lead me to Christ, the one that is higher than I, the one that is higher than all my sin, all my trouble. You see, he's bigger than my trouble. Any problem too big for God? Absolutely not. Anything too hard for God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. From the ends of the earth will I cry. David was cast out of Jerusalem, was he not? But not out of the presence of God. You see, there's no place so remote, no distance too great, For we have access to the mercy seat of God in Christ Jesus. He's everywhere present, is he not? Indeed, everywhere is in God. For in him we live and move and have our being. Even the Apostle John, when they cast him out to the Alcatraz of his day, out there on the Isle of Patmos, he had ready, open, 
access and liberty to the throne of grace. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice, and there's the Lord. John had that glorious revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he tells us in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, (laughs) I am the first and the last. In effect, our Lord is saying, It's okay, beloved John, it's okay. Oh, what a privilege we have, beloved. What a privilege we have to take everything to God in prayer. Now, David's request here is very straightforward and simple. He doesn't ask for money. He doesn't ask for riches. He asks for leadership. Lord, lead me to the rock. Lead me to Christ. Lead me to the rock that you have established. Lead me to the rock that you have established. Lead me to the rock, the foundation that you have established. And beloved, there's none like our rock. There's none like our rock. I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. When the children of Israel took the land of Canaan, it was inhabited by giants inhabited by many nations and mighty and armed men of war. And this little nation walked in and conquered it. How'd that happen? Well, look there with me in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30. How should one chase a thousand? How should one soldier of Israel put to flight a thousand soldiers of the Philistines? And two put 10,000 to flight, except their rock had sold them. Notice that's capital R on the word rock. Except their rock had sold them, promoted them, sustained them. The Lord did fight the battle for them, and the Lord had shut them up. Now notice this, verse 31. For their rock, and this is speaking of the Philistines, their rock, their help, The Philistines, the Hittites, the Amalekites, and all the ites, their rock is not as our rock. Their rock was just a fool's rock, sand. It's not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Beloved, our rock is not like that rock preached in the many buildings up and down 59. For, beloved, our foundation is certain and sure. Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And beloved, that's our rock, the Lord Jesus Christ that is higher than I, that is higher than all my sin. When my heart is overwhelmed with a sense of my sin, when my heart is overwhelmed and burdened with guilt, my cry is, Lord Lead me to Christ, who is all my pardon for all my sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin, beloved. Original and actual. The sin of omission and the sin of commission. Past sins, present sins, and future sins. The Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sin. And so when my heart is overwhelmed with my burden, 
with my burden and the sense of guilt of sin. Show me Christ who is my pardon of all my sins. But not only that, show me him who is all my righteousness. All my performance of the law. All of my acceptance in God's sight. When my heart is overwhelmed with affliction, the affliction of God's good providence, lead me to Christ who is our comfort in the time of storm. He says in Isaiah 40 verse 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. What a double portion of comfort. What a double portion of comfort. All redemption and all righteousness provided freely, undeservedly by His grace. And so when my heart is overwhelmed with pride and unbelief, Lead me to Christ, my faithful high priest, who ever liveth to intercede for me. Remember what John wrote? My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. But when you do, did he say, well, you're out, it's over, you're finished? No, he didn't say that. Rather, when you do sin, beloved, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous whoever liveth to intercede for us. God, the Holy Spirit, always leads us to the Lord Jesus Christ for all of salvation and all of righteousness. Now, hear me. The Holy Spirit always leads us unto the Lord Jesus Christ for all salvation, for all justification, for all righteousness. Never back to the law, but ever and always to Christ who fulfilled the law of God for us. Our Lord said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to honor the law. Turn with me to Isaiah 42. It says here in Isaiah 42, verse 21, The Lord is well pleased for His righteousness' sake. Isaiah 42, verse 21. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake, for he will magnify the law and make it honorable. And he did just that, beloved. He perfectly magnified and honored the law of God for us. You see, the Holy Spirit does not lead us to Christ for justification to then just turn around and lead us back to the law for sanctification. For you see, he's our all and in all. He is all our wisdom all our righteousness, all our sanctification, and all our redemption. And the Lord Jesus Christ, in Him is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And in Christ, the believer stands complete in Him. Complete. Nothing lacking. Complete. He's able to supply all our need according to His riches and glory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is our all and in all. I heard this uh, remark recently. I thought it was good. Christ is our rule of life. You want a rule to live by? (laughs) People are always looking for rules to live by, aren't they? 
Read Galatians chapter 6 sometime. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, that's our rule, to glory only in Christ. If you want a rule, a rule if, if you want a rule, here it is. Glory only in Him. Worship only Him. Give only Him the preeminence. Give only Him the preeminence. Psalm 61. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Oh God, lead me when my heart is overwhelmed, when I'm in despair, when I'm sad, when I'm down and out. Lead me to Christ. He's our comfort. He's our hope. He's our assurance. And He is higher than I. How high is He? How high is this rock? You know, this foundation, when we build a house, when we dig down in the dirt and lay a foundation, some of you know what that's about. I remember laying a foundation up in cottage country in Canada, and that foundation was so low to the ground. But that's not like God's foundation. (laughs) This foundation that God has laid is a high foundation. It's not a low one. No, no. It's a high foundation. For you see, it's as high as God. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's how high our rock is. And you know what this blessed thing of it is? Beloved, he's the forerunner who has entered in for us. And it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, how that we're seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus right now, in the representative man. You see, what's true of the head is true of the body. Where the head is, the body is not too far behind. Now, is it? Where the head is, that's where the body is. You see, naturally speaking, naturally speaking, Where my head goes, my body goes. And the Lord Jesus Christ, as our representative head, has entered in and he's seated in the heavenlies. So you see, in Christ Jesus, we're seated in him right now. I was reminded of what our Lord declares in the Gospels numerous times. We were singing that song. How it is that right now, beloved, you who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you hath everlasting life right now. (laughs) It's not something we're waiting for. It's a ready salvation, ready to be revealed in that day. And so, beloved, where he is, our head, where our head is, so too his body. That's comfort. That's assurance. All right, look at verse 3. Psalm 61, verse 3. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. David, like Isaiah, had only one refuge and shelter of grace, the strong tower of salvation that's found in Christ Jesus. Turn with me to Isaiah 32. Isaiah 32. And look there with me in verse 1. Behold, a king shall reign... In righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. And a man, and this is the God man mediator, the God man Christ Jesus our Lord, shall be as an hiding place from the wind, 
and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. And this is a weary land, beloved, but he's the great rock upon which we rest. He is the rock of ages, we and we are found in him. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is not only the foundation, beloved, he's the shelter. He's a shelter from every enemy, from every enemy. In Proverbs 18, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. You see, Christ has been our shelter and our strong tower and will continue to be so. For our God and Savior has never changed. And indeed, beloved, He never changes. He says, I'm the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob, you're not consumed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has always been our shelter, and beloved, He will always be our strong tower. If you would, turn with me to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Beloved, He's our strong tower. He's that sure hiding place. And David had a whole list of descriptive titles for this shelter we have in Christ. In Psalm 18, verse 1, he writes, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, and whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower, I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I'll call upon the Lord. He's a strong tower. He is a shelter from the enemy. And I tell you, beloved, the believer has many, many, many enemies that would do him in, but they, but they can't. Because of our strong tower, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he says in verse 4, back in our text, I will abide. I will abide. I will abide because of the shelter. I will abide because of that rock that is higher than I. I will abide because of that strong tower. I will abide in the tabernacle forever. Not temporarily. Salvation is not temporary. You see, beloved, we shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert, the covering of thy wings forever. I shall abide under the protection of the Lord. You see, the believer is kept. Beloved, we're kept by the power of God. We don't keep ourselves. Remember Psalm 27? Turn to Psalm 27 and look there with me in verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, and the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. <laughs> There's our rock again, beloved. 
You see, you can't get away from it, can you? All Scripture is about Christ. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. That's Christ. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He shall set me upon the rock. Verse 6, Psalm 27. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies, round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. And back there in our text, I will abide in thy tabernacle, Psalm 61. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust. I will trust him. I will abide continuing looking to the Lord Jesus Christ to provide all things for us in salvation. I will abide because he keeps us. I will abide. And you know, beloved believers, abide in him. It says that in John, they do abide in him and they remain in him. They continue in him and they ever look unto him for salvation. I will abide in him forever and I'll trust him. I'll trust him. And all this is by His power, by His grace, we do believe on Him. You know how we believe on Him? You know, faith is called a precious thing. We have obtained like precious faith through the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is such a precious thing. It's the gift of God. We believe according to the working of His mighty power. I will trust in Him forever. I will abide in Him forever. You see, the believer doesn't want out. The believer doesn't want to leave Him. He's not seeking away from Him. Oh no, we must have Christ. My friend, do you know how He draws us? He does so irresistibly. It's irresistible grace. That's how He draws us, with irresistible grace. He makes himself irresistible. He makes himself so that his bride just can't resist her or resist him. I remember when I asked Sandra to be my wife, December 25th, 1991. Christmas morning, a beautiful sunny day, not a cloud in the sky, a fresh powder of snow in the park by her house. And when I stooped down on bended knee to ask her if she would marry me, There wasn't a moment's hesitation. Not one fiber in her was opposed to her becoming my wife. Just the biggest smile you've ever seen and the most enthusiastic yes you've ever heard. How come? (laughs) I was irresistible. (laughs) Because I had made myself irresistible to her. I made sure she saw the very best of me and she just couldn't resist. She was conquered by my love that made her my wife. And our Heavenly Father, by, his, by the Spirit of God, makes Jesus Christ, our husband, irresistible to his bride. Oh, that God would be pleased to conquer someone here this morning with his love. Oh, Spirit of God, make Jesus Christ irresistible to every soul in this place. And if he'll so reveal Christ in you, well, you've come to him already. You see, salvation is not coming to a preacher or coming to an altar or going to rub some rosaries. No, no. Rather, salvation is coming to a person. 
It's coming to him right where you are right now without even moving a muscle. My friend, those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ do so with a love in their heart and a passion and a commitment. They know whom they have believed and they're persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I will trust in the shelter of thy wings forever. Believer, abide in him. Take refuge upon that mercy seat in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 5. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows, my cries, my prayers. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. This blessed heritage we have, what great mercy on the Lord's part to take any notice of such faithless, sinful, I suppose I could say worms, but I might be misunderstood. You see, when I say we're nothing but worms, you might think I'm talking about the, the kind you go fishing with. They're kind of cute and cuddly. I'm not talking about that kind of worm. I'm talking about maggots. That's what we are. And yet, the Lord has taken notice of such faithless, sinful maggots as we are. And yet, out of covenant love, out of covenant promise, He's the surety of the everlasting covenant. What great mercy, what descending grace... Just like a plane descends from the clouds, His grace descends from on high down to His people. Turn with me to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. Though the Lord be high, there's that high rock again. Though the Lord be high, this is uh, verse 6. Now, how high is it? You can't preach him too high. You can't preach him too big. I like to hear somebody being guilty of that, preaching God too high or preaching God too big. It's, It's impossible. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud, he doesn't recognize. The proud, he knoweth afar off. What great mercy that the Lord takes notice of such low creatures as we are, such maggots as we are. And yet, out of covenant love, he does so. What is man that thou art mindful of him, David said in Psalm 8. And then he says here, Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Those that fear his name are those who believe him, those who believe on him. Now, the heritage here is the blessedness of covenant blessings, freely and sovereignly bestowed on the elect of God. And notice this, thou hast given the heritage, the inheritance of those that fear thy name. It's the gift of God. Everything connected with mercy, grace, love, and salvation is his free gift to us, beloved. His free gift. Not that we're deserving... Indeed, mercy is not merited. Grace is not earned. You see, He is merciful unto us, not because we're deserving. Rather, He's merciful unto the guilty. And there's grace for the guilty because He is gracious, because He delights to show mercy. The heritage is the blessedness of the covenant blessings freely and sovereignly bestowed on the elect of God. 
God who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I like that word freely. Justified freely by his grace, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things in Christ Jesus? You see what he's saying? Believers have been made heirs of God and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what Peter said about this inheritance? If you would, look with me in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Now this is the inheritance we have, beloved. It's, it's not earned, just like some of you may receive an inheritance um, from your parents. An inheritance is not earned by the children, now is it? Rather, an inheritance is earned by someone else and then given to you as a free gift of love. The parents, when they pass on, they write out their will and they give their inheritance unto the children. Now, it's something that they've earned and something that they give out of love. Well, the same is true of God's inheritance. Beloved, we didn't earn it. The Lord Jesus Christ earned all inheritance for us, and he freely gives it unto us. But look at this inheritance here. It's, it's not like an earthly inheritance. You may have a will that's drawn up by an attorney, and you say you're going to give this to that person and the other thing to this other person, however you've stipulated it. But you know, that will may be contested. Somebody may take you to court and try to change that will, and you're dead and gone. You have nothing to say about it. It's left in the hands of others. But this will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ is totally and utterly different. He ever lives to intercede. He ever lives to enforce his last will and testament. And this inheritance we have, look what he says there in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved for you in heaven. Reserved in heaven for you. Beloved, he's made a reservation in heaven for you. Verse 5 who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. All the inheritance we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, ready salvation, ready to be revealed. What a blessing God has given to us, beloved. Thou has given the heritage, all the inheritance of grace, all grace now and glory forever for those that fear thy name. And indeed, believers do highly reverence his name, they do fear his name. Now, this is not a slavish fear. This is an awesome fear. This is a reverential fear that we do have of God. And so we do fear his name with a holy awe and esteem his holy name. And we do stand in admiration of the Lord's sovereign authority and do fear offending him. For high, holy, and reverent is his name. Not my name. Not your name, not any other man's name. So don't ever call me reverend. Just call me Joseph. Or I suppose if you want to call me something, I like what old William Huntington would affix to the end of his name. 
It wasn't a, a PhD. It wasn't a doctor. He just put the initials SS. Do you know what that stood for? <laughs> saved sinner. Saved sinner. My friend, that's my only hope. A sinner saved by God's grace. For thou hast heard my cry, thou hast given the heritage of those that fear thy name. Look at verse 6. Psalm 61, verse 6. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. God showed mercy unto David. God killed his enemies, including his own son Absalom and King Saul, and brought him back to the throne. God gave him a reign over Israel for 40 years, and he added days to David's reign and to his life. But how much more so was this true of the King of kings and the Lord of lords? It may be understood of his life as a man that it was short. And although he died for our sin, he rose again. Because he justified us from our sin and lives evermore to intercede for us. And his days are prolonged. He lives eternally for us. He said in Revelation, I'm he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of hell and death and the duration of his kingdom of which there is no end. No end for his kingdom. All right, verse 7. Psalm 61, 61, verse 7. He shall abide before God forever. And this is speaking of Christ. For David as king reigned for 40 years, but our king... The King of kings and Lord of lords, his reign has no end. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Our King shall abide forever before God, forever. O oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. Mercy is prepared for his covenant people by the King's hand, and it's sovereign mercy. It's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but it's of God that shows mercy unto whom he will. And God's truth is prepared. The Lord Jesus Christ is the prepared truth we need to know and need to rest in, which may preserve him and us in him forever and ever. As I said at the outset, this verse 7 speaks of Christ and his people, this blessed union we have in him. We're one with him, beloved. God has given him a name. We see here, verse, verse 8, So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. God has given him a name which is above every name. There is no other name like his. His name shall be called Wonderful. You know, we ought never to use that word wonderful, except in reference to Christ. His name is Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So I'll sing praises unto thy name forever. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So I'll sing praise unto thy name forever. You see, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at that name, the name of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our Lord Jesus Christ is enthroned to all eternity, being raised from the dead, received up into glory, to the glory of God and the eternal good of his people. Because he lives, beloved, we live in him. Our security, our salvation is as safe 
as his enthronement in glory. How safe is his enthronement? Who's going to kick him or push him off the throne? Who's going to elbow him out of the way? No one. No one. Indeed, no one's going to be able to take us out of his mighty hand. No man, he said, can pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them me is greater than all, and no one can pluck them out of his hand. Our salvation, beloved, our salvation is as safe as his enthronement. Here is our safety, our security, our salvation, our delight. Believers reign with him as kings and priests unto our God. And we sing the song of the eternal ages unto him who loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood. To him be all the honor and glory both now and forever and ever. Amen. And so will I sing praises unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. And, beloved, he performeth not some things for us, all things, a full and complete pardon of all our sins, and a perfect righteousness acceptable to God. Amen.